pastor here in Discovery. I'm part of that. Uh, anyway, I want to go ahead and dismiss our youth. So if you are in fifth and sixth grade, we have our J-12 ministry. Uh, you can meet your leaders over there. Uh, if you are in seventh through twelfth grade, uh, we have another uh, youth ministry for you. Your leaders are over there. Um, love having you guys in here to start. Uh, we're glad to send you out there as well. If you're new with us here, I uh, want to welcome you. Uh, very glad that you are here on a Sunday morning. And I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, if you've been with us, uh, I hope that you have been enjoying our wrecked uh, series that we've been in this fall. If you're new with us, you can go listen online or on that app, uh, listen to past messages to find out what this is all about. We've been in a series in the New Testament book of Acts, uh, two chapters, 27 and 28, which tell the story of a shipwrecked uh, journey. Uh, and so when I say I hope you're enjoying uh, this series, uh, it's kind of a loaded word because uh, there's nothing that we would enjoy, uh, whether it's reading about or uh, experiencing a literal shipwreck. And, and to be honest with you, uh, some of this theme that we're going through about being wrecked uh, is about growing in our faith in God, uh, growing in our journey with Jesus. And, and sometimes, I can be honest with you, uh, sometimes we don't enjoy some of these aspects. See, one of the things we've been learning is that uh, even uh, through trials, even through suffering, even through uh, difficult circumstances, God is growing us. And we may not like those aspects, but when we were young, um, we went through what we called growing pains, that as our body stretched and uh, as our bones and our muscles and our ligaments and our tendons, as they grow, we go through pains because they're being stretched. Uh, if any of you are kind of uh, people that get in the gym or go running or like me that don't do it often enough, when you get back in, uh, you uh, get stretched and it hurts and your muscles ache. Uh, anytime we are growing, uh, we experience some of these uh, pains. And so uh, some of the things that we often try to avoid, the discomforts, the painful things, God may actually be growing us uh, in the midst of that. And we're looking and wrecked at our journey of faith. We're looking at uh, how we are stretched from our dependence on ourselves, our own goals, our own hopes, our own dreams, in order to see and experience the plan that God has for our lives. Now, as we, we continue through this, what we need to recognize is that we need to have a deep understanding of what we call uh, the gospel. Um, because if we don't really understand the good news of how God is working uh, in our lives, if we are not centered continually on the gospel, then this whole process of wrecking, it just seems like uh, awful to us. Uh, because in some ways, it just feels like there, there's pain and there's no hope. That we're going through circumstances and there, there's nothing good about it. It's just uh, beating us constantly and we feel beat down. Sometimes we may realize that God is there, but if we don't understand the gospel, we may question his goodness. That why in the world would he let us go through such things? Why would uh, he even lead us through some of these things when, when it's so painful and it hurts? But if we understand, here's what the gospel is. The good news of Jesus, that we are centered, when we say uh, we want to be centered on Jesus, what it means is that uh, we want to be centered on the good news, the gospel, uh, which is his death and his resurrection, that Jesus died for sinners, that while we were lost in our sin, Jesus came, God so loved the world that he sent his son, uh, that we, uh, while we were lost, that God would reach out, that he would guide us, that he would save us, that he would rescue us, and then he would set us on the path of new life. Now, this is incredibly good news for people who were lost, for people who were helpless, for people who were hopeless like us. And what we understand, if we, if we believe the gospel, is that if God would send his son to love, to rescue people who were lost, people who were, it says the Bible, that we were his enemies, rebellious against him, that if God would send his son in his love to save us from that condition, that certainly he will see us through whatever we face, that he loves us so much that even when we kind of sit in the, the struggle, when we face the challenge that we are in, in humanity on this earth, in all this brokenness, that we trust that it is true, that we have full confidence that God who began a good work in us through Jesus Christ, will see it on into completion. 
And so in the midst of all of kind of this wrecking, we hold to the gospel. and We know that God is doing a work in us. And I know sometimes it feels like, like if I were to come and to tell you uh, today that, hey, uh, somebody this past week tied me down on a table and uh, cut me open and caused me to bleed, like that would sound awful unless I told you that the person was a surgeon who put me on a table to do a work within me to heal me. Now, just to be clear, that didn't happen to me this past week. I didn't have surgery. It's just an illustration. <laughs> but, but the point is that God is doing a good thing. You see, God welcomes us to come to him just as we are. This is the good news, that we don't have to do surgery on ourselves, that we don't have to clear up our thinking and our logic. We don't have to clear up our heart. We don't have to clear up our past. The good news of the gospel is God says, come as you are, because I want to do a work in you. So what that means is when we show up together in this thing called church, people who are only saved by the grace and the gospel of God, that we come and we're still pretty messed up. We've still got a lot of things that need to be healed from our past. We still have a lot of things that uh, need to be corrected in our, our present. And there's a lot of uh, things that continue to hold us down, but... God does work within us. And here is what this means, this wrecking work. What does this mean? It means that we are growing in Christ to be who he's called us to be. It means that we are experiencing that healing. And sometimes it hurts. It means that we are giving up our dreams for God's greater dream. And sometimes it hurts to let go of some of those things. It means that we are learning what it is to be like Christ. And that we are literally putting to death some of the things in our flesh. And it hurts because it's sacrifice, it's dying to self. But we go through it because we know that God is doing a good work. And we're actually looking for that work that he is doing in all of our circumstances. Now, God didn't cause all of your circumstances. Some of it is just the brokenness of our world. But God wants to lead us through and he's promised that he would. And so what it comes to is the faith that we have and the trust that we have in God. And as we are wrecked, what we are learning is to put faith in God. And so we are actually growing from being a faithless people to being a faithful people, to where we are growing in our trust, our faith in God's plan. So when we come, there are things that we struggle with, areas of faith that as we walk through these circumstances, um, that we are learning to be people of faith, uh, the only perfect one in faith was Jesus Christ when he walked on this earth. And we read a story in Mark chapter 4 of a time that he was on a boat uh, where he was going through the wind and the waves and the disciples are scurrying around trying to, to hunker down and Jesus is in the bow of the, the boat and he's sleeping. And, and they wake him up and he wakes up and he just speaks to the wind and the waves and they calm down. Now, he was able to sleep and have perfect peace in the midst of the storm because he knew that he was the creator of the wind and the waves. And he knew his heavenly father was watching over. A man of perfect faith. In our story that we're reading in Acts 27, we are seeing another example of faith. A man named Paul uh, who wrote most of the books of the New Testament. And he recounts many of the things that he had been through in his 20 to 30 years uh, of ministry, uh, advancing the gospel, sharing the gospel. And he had been through at least two other shipwrecks. He had been through some other things. And he has grown. So now when we see his example, we see a man who is faithful. Not immediately, like some switch went off, but that has learned what it is to have confidence in God through the storm, and we see this example. Now, in the midst of this story, whether it's Jesus in the boat, we see his followers, those who had chosen to follow him, and they're still faithless. They're still kind of scrambling around trying to do it on their own. In this story, we see sailors and we see soldiers who are coming up with their own plans, and through it all, they are learning to be more faithful as they look to God. And so in this journey of being read, we are going from a faithless people to a faithful people, We're growing through whatever God is leading us. I'm thankful in the midst of this series what what God is revealing to us. 
of what he is teaching us. I, I, I hope that you have been, been learning and benefiting from this time. Now, when I come into a series like we did in September, uh, you know, I, I always anticipate God wants to do something, but I'm, I, I always realize that as I preach and as uh, God ministers to you in a way that I cannot, I'm just a, a person sharing uh, God's word and, and what he's laid on my heart to share and what the Bible tells us. But God, through his spirit, he comes and he does a work within us that I could never anticipate. And I'm thankful to hear the stories of how God is using his word to teach you. I'll be honest, in the the word that we're having today, it's not the message that I plan to preach when I plan this out back in August. Um, uh, We're going to be in Acts uh, chapter 27, verses 33 to 34, or 34, 44. 33 to 44, if you want to turn in your Bibles there. Um, If you need a Bible, you can put up your hand. One of our servants will bring you one. Um, You can also turn to it right on that app if you you have that. Um, But we're going to look at this passage of Scripture. But what I had intended to do was to kind of rush through uh, the verses 33 to 38 and get to some of the exciting action where where they hit the beach. And that was my plan. But as I read through those first verses, um, God uh, revealed to me that, that that's where the message for today lies. And we'll get to the rest of it, but, but first we need to look more deeply at what he has for us in these verses. Um, when we had last left the ship, we had found that uh, they were cutting away the lifeboat that they were letting it go. And we said that what that meant was that the plan that they had been holding on to, they had finally cut the ropes and let it go, and they were all in on God's plan. And they were moving forward saying, we trust that God is leading us. We don't get the plan. We may not like the plan, but we are going that direction. We are cutting away our own plan. Last week, uh, some of us kind of cut those ropes, and we let something of our own plans go to say we're in. But the lesson for today is that if we are going to be committed to God's plan, we need to remember that we will need strength on this journey. Pick up the story, verse 33. It says, as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to grasp this journey of 276 people about 2,000 years ago. And that you would guide us to help us to understand what it is that you're saying to us today in 2016 in Davis as we're gathered together here. God, I pray that you would make your will known to us. I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would challenge us however each one of us needs. God, I can't speak to the individual lives of everybody here, God, but you know us intimately. You know our struggles you know our pains, you know our joys, and you know our plan, your plan for our lives. And so I pray that you would lead us, help us to take a step forward with you today. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Before we apply this passage to our lives, I want to be sure that we grasp the situation here. You see, they're about to go through something very significant, something very intense. They're about to hit the water. They're about to hit the reef. Sure, they have been sailing for 14 days, beaten by wind and waves. But now they would be leaving the relatively relative safety of the ship. They would be exposed directly by the elements as they go into the waters. What they had known, what they had been secure on, would be literally blown and smashed to pieces. Once safely on land, it would be an unknown land. that They didn't know what was next. It would actually be filled with natives and snakes. If you want to hear about the snakes, come back next week. We'll be talking about them. But it says that as day is about to dawn, Paul, faithful Paul, stands up and he says to them, it's been 14 days. You've been continuing in suspense and without food. Um, You get the picture here almost that, that Paul is saying, you have been continuing in suspense. You have been without food. I don't know. Maybe Paul's sitting back, uh, not being so stressed out, eating every day as he should. But the stress, the work, had gotten these sailors and these soldiers out of their most basic rhythm. They hadn't eaten for 14 days. Paul urges them to pause and to be strengthened. Uh, Paul continually urges them to be strengthened both spiritually, which we already looked at back in uh, verse uh, 27, where he says, or verse 22, where he urges them to take heart in the word of God and in the calling of God that he is going to see them through. And we talked about that, how we need to be encouraged spiritually that God, uh, who is God, who is sovereign God, is faithful of all things. And we can be encouraged not in our circumstances, but in him and in what he says. Paul encourages them spiritually, but here we see that he also encourages them and urges them to be strengthened physically. He says, you've been without food. And we're about to go into the water. We don't know what we're going to find. So let's pause and be strengthened. So the journey is long. The journey is hard. The journey requires times of strengthening that enable us to fulfill the the plan that God has for us. The journey with Jesus is not a sprint. It's a marathon. I don't know. Some of you, how many of you are kind of long distance runners? However you would define that. Some of you do triathlons, some of you do half marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks, okay, half marathons. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I, played coll- I, played, I played college all the way through college, too. But I, I played soccer all the way through college, uh, but in soccer, it was all about kind of the sprint. It was all about having endurance to be able to uh, last that time, but we never ran longer than two or three miles. I mean, we ran those two or three miles hard, but never longer than that. And so I never really ran more than two or three miles until you know, I did a couple 5Ks. And then a few years ago, uh, some buddies of mine here, and we got the idea that we're going to do a half marathon. And so um, I was still kind of young enough and in shape. I figured I could do a little bit of training. I'm not going to kill myself getting around. I'm just going to kill myself when the race comes. Uh, and so um, we uh, went out. And it was, it was more uh, grueling than anything that I'd probably done up to that point uh, physically. And, uh, but I made it. I finished the half marathon in, in two hours. And it was great. But my point is not uh, what happened during the race. Um, the point was what happened after. You see, I had never done this before. I didn't know what it would take out of me. And so I never did like any kind of good nutrition throughout the day. You know, I was eating like Mexican food the night before. And, and uh, then I was, uh, when I got to the finish line, my wife is greeting me, you know, proud of me. I finished. I beat my goal of two hours. And she kind of hands me these two Gatorades. And so I hadn't had any kind of hydration throughout, and so I just kind of grabbed these two Gatorades. I proceed just to chug them down, and then I kind of go grab a couple snacks, and I put them in. You know what happened was about 10 minutes later on the way to the car, I was in the bushes. 
I was puking it up. I know it's not a pretty picture, but uh, I had not been prepared for that journey. And in fact, we were driving the way home, and one of our uh, friends, one of our elders who had actually run with me at the time, I, I had to tell Garrison to pull over, and, and so I could throw up out the side of the car. And our elder pulled alongside, is everything okay? And uh, they just had to chuckle at me, you know, kind of on the side of the road. Now, people say, would you ever want to do a half marathon again? Or would you ever want to do a marathon? Now, I say, I have no desire to do 26 miles. I really don't. What I would like to do is to do a half marathon again, and to this time, not end up in the bushes at the end. I would like to not be able to just survive and to finish the race barely, but to actually be able to have conversation afterwards and to enjoy that. And sometimes with our journey with Jesus, we are just surviving. We are just making it through, and it is far from pretty. We have very little left over to uh, really to serve, really to be on mission. And when the world looks at us and the walk that we have, they may say, why would I want the life that you are living? The journey with Jesus is a marathon. It is not a sprint. It is not just about this next month. It is not just about this next year. It is about a lifetime of serving Jesus however he would call. And we need to be properly fed. We need to properly hydrate. We need to understand what it is to take on nutrition, to be strengthened for the journey. And this is why I got stuck on these verses. See, I wanted to get ahead to the fulfillment of God's call, the fulfillment of God's plan. But God said, these verses are here for a reason. Let's not just breeze through them. Let's look at why they needed to be strengthened. And Paul stands up and he says, you've gone 14 days in suspense and without food. They had just cut the ropes. Many of us, I, I hope and I pray that we are reaching that point in our journey where we, we're, we're cutting the ropes continually, not just once on a Sunday morning, but continually that we are uh, being challenged, saying we're all in in God's plan. I don't understand it all, but I, I see Jesus as the way. I don't want to go to my plan. My plan is leading to death. My plan is leading to failure, um, even though it seems right to me. We're, we're going God's way, and we're going uh, all in on that. We're, we're cutting these ropes, and many of us do this. And one of the things I, I love about kind of the, the youthful passion uh, of our, our church is that um, we do. We get passionate. Uh, we see that God has a great plan for us. It's absolutely true. We see that there's a great work he wants us to do. And we get passionate about We're meeting Jesus. We're, we're full of energy and we're ready to run forward. We're ready to sprint out of the gates and to go. And so we go on mission. We, we serve our hearts out. We take on leading not just one Bible study, but two Bible studies and three Bible studies. We sign up for everything that we can. But then we lose strength, we lose heart, we lose passion, we flame out, we burn out. As much as I get so excited about the, the passion that we, we see, um, the hard part of it is that on the back end of it, very often there's a lot of flaming out too. A lot of people that walk away, um, a lot of people that were uh, serving vibrantly in their campus fellowship in the second year. Um, but by senior year, um, they're not around anymore. Same thing goes for, for uh, those of us who are out of college, where we, I mean, take marriage, for example. We stand up and we make our vows to one another, and there's nothing like that beautiful day of a, a husband and a wife uh, bonding together, making commitments before God and before people, and uh, then the honeymoon is over very quickly. And we get tired and we get worn out, and I, I, I hate it. When marriages under our watch, under our roof, break. And we have to ask the question, do we, do we do this well? Do we live in passion, but also a passion that is really strengthened by Jesus? I mean, Paul points this out to uh, his shipmates. He says, you've been 14 days without food. Now think about that for a moment. 
Okay, how far out of the rhythm of natural, healthy life is that? I mean, almost every culture that I know of on this earth recognizes that two or three meals a day is what sustains the body. That is not supposed to go along without being fed. And in fact, we care so much about this that one of the greatest crises that we see out there is when people don't have enough, when they can't fulfill that, and we want to feed the hungry because we know it's just not natural. We know it's just not right. And Paul looks at them and he says, it's been 14 days. You've been in great suspense. And what I think we need to learn is that our circumstances in life often disrupt the healthy, natural, God-given rhythms that God has given us. This is one of the reasons I'm thankful that I'm a biology professor as well as a pastor because I, I am able to kind of look at that biology of our, our, our bodies and that God formed us to have needs that strengthen and sustain for healthy living. Now, very often we in the church, we talk about the spiritual needs, right? We, we've already done this, that we've talked about anchors where we need to hold on to our Bible study. We need to hold on to prayer uh, we need to walk by the Spirit. We need to uh, have a healthy rhythm of worshiping together. That's why we come together on Sundays. Um, because we need to have these rhythms, these, these healthy, regular, recurring patterns in life that strengthen us and sustain us. And absolutely, spiritually, we need that. In fact, uh, what the Bible shows us is that you can actually fast and that God will sustain our physical being in a very practical way when we are so in tune with him that we can fast and there are many examples people going longer than 14 days uh, of fasting but that's not what's happening here it's not that they are uh, setting aside food in order to focus on God no they are uh, blown by the wind and the waves they are so trying to control things and get things done that they can not even pause to eat now, what I want to call us to is, yes, to always pay attention to these spiritual rhythms in our lives, but also realize that God has given us these physical rhythms in our lives as well. He's given us emotional rhythms, mental rhythms. I mean, just think physically, we need a certain amount of sleep. I mean, it's very well known and documented now that those people that don't have at least seven to eight hours of sleep a night are going into deficit that has many different draining effects on the body. And it's hurting us and hindering us, making us lose focus. And then so what do we do is we load up on the caffeine and we, uh, there's nothing wrong with a cup of coffee. In fact, they go back and forth. Is that a good thing or not? But when we need coffee to make it through the day, we are getting ready to break down. Maybe not immediately. Maybe we can sustain this for a while. We know we need sleep. We need rest. We need exercise. We need to eat regularly. And maybe you look at the rhythms of your life and say, yeah, I've been pretty stressed out. I'm not sleeping well. Now, there's a lot of different factors that can come into that. I'm not just saying it's simple as just going and, and sleeping for eight hours. I understand that. Maybe it's looking at your food patterns and, and diet patterns. That may be draining you down. Maybe it's the amount of caffeine. But I want to go beyond that to a sense of emotional health. Where what happens is when we're lacking sleep, we get emotionally not well, mentally not well either. And so our emotions start coming out. We are grumpy. We are angry. We are frustrated. And we are in a danger zone of not ever being able to make it through because of this. It goes into lots of other areas of rhythm too. Financial, we give regularly so that it unites our heart with giving. Okay, we need to have financial rhythms. We need to have relational rhythms. In fact, uh, this week on uh, your app, I didn't bring it up with me, but there, there's a little tab there under Sunday morning that talks about life rhythms. In your discovery groups, you'll look at that a little bit closer. Uh, but I put that together not as a kind of a, a complete list of everything that you need to get checked off, but to take some inventory of life. Because, and there's some things on there you say, like, uh, I don't do that. It's to think about where are you in your relationships. Many of us feel called to be excellent parents, and we are investing so much in our kids, and we are investing nothing in our marriage. You may need to look at those rhythms. You may be pouring out to the activities that are out there, but are you spending time with your kids? Are you spending time with your spouse? 
All these different examples of the rhythms that God has given us for a healthy, strengthened life. Because sooner or later, one of those areas may catch up with you. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to walk through the fire, if you want to walk through the waves, I tell you, the the result of stepping forward is not that those weaknesses in our lives go away or can be hidden. God is gracious to bring those things to the surface, and as we step out and serve that, they become revealed more and more. And what we often do is we suppress them, we ignore them until the point that it can't be ignored anymore. And then we've broken and we are out. I I tell you, I've been pretty honest with you uh, as a church over the years. This is something that I struggled with greatly personally. I'm not preaching it because I'm an expert in it, but because I'm in the midst of this constantly. Because I started as a pastor when I was 27 years old. Before that, I I grew up in uh, the home of a German immigrant who had to get here and had to work hard and worked hard till the day that he died. He married a woman who had some of those same uh, potential in her life, just working hard. And so I grew up where you work hard, you put your nose to it, you get it done. I got into grad school. I worked hard. I went through all those things. I put together a study of what I wanted to do, uh, even when there was no funding for it. I got it done. And then God called me into ministry at age 27 without much pause. The first pastor of here had moved on, and we were kind of thrust right into the wind and the waves. And so we hit the ground running and poured out and poured out. In the meantime, I was having one kid, two kids, three and four kids. I was going from my PhD to going and getting into seminary. I continued leading a church, going through things. And I'll be honest with you, church. It is a path that has wrecked me. And that I've had to learn each step of the way. As someone who never believed that there was any real reason for depression. That you want to know what? That uh, if you just put a smile and go through, that's where I was. Just be happy. When my wife went through it and I ended up almost wrecking our marriage because of it. But God, God has taught me and he, he's led me through uh, tough times emotionally, mentally, physically, breaking down. And part of the problem is that very often we can kind of carry, God is able to do through broken vessels um, what we can't do ourselves. And so very often, I'd be able to kind of put that, put that down. God has led me through this. And I, as I look at these rhythms in life, I realize that not only have I been unhealthy, but there have been many ways that I need to repent for how I've led this church. Without a doubt that we are passionate individuals, that there's a call from God on our lives that leads us forward. But if we do not pay attention to our minds and our hearts and our marriages and our families, we'll never make it through. And so I would urge all of us, as Paul did in verse 34, he says, take some food. Take some food. Be strengthened for the journey. He says, take some food for it will give you strength for not a hair on your head will perish. See, even that journey was not just about surviving. There was the constant reminder that it goes on beyond this moment. They had been promised, not a hair on your head will perish. And they had been living as such that they would just kind of get through it moment by moment. Do you live just for this moment or are you living for a lifetime with Jesus? I understand, we, we often talk about living for the moment, and we don't want to miss the moment. We live by the Spirit, and the Spirit can change things moment by moment. But we also need to be strengthened for the learn, long term, for a lifetime that God has for us. I mean, Jesus, he did ministry for about three years on this earth. And Jesus himself had a daily rhythm of waking up early before it was dark, going away to a solitary place and spend time with his father to be strengthened by the spirit for the day that was ahead. 
In fact, there was uh, an example when his disciples had been sent out to do ministry. And it says they came back, they were healing the sick, they were casting out demons. They were all excited about this. But it says very specifically in Scripture that they were so busy that they did not even have time to eat. See, this can be maybe a recurring theme. That we're not getting fed physically, emotionally, spiritually. But we're trying to do, do, do. And Jesus says, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. Because there's yet more to be done. Completing the journey that God has given us will require strength. We've been through some stuff already, haven't we, in our lives? We've been through some challenges. We've been through some hard times, some grief. We've been through some shipwrecks. But what we need to understand is probably the biggest challenge still lies ahead. Wherever you are, if you are going to follow Jesus increasingly more intentional, intentionally, the spiritual battle is going to pick up. When you step out to lead and to, to take steps forward and wherever your walk is, it's going to get hard. It's going to test the metal, what your life is made out of. And we need to understand that those great challenges are still ahead. So will we take the time to be strengthened? You see, God is carrying us through, but we also have a responsibility. And this is what Paul speaks to. Hey, yes, we are going to go through the wind and the waves. You're going to have to swim. You're going to have to float. We're going to make it through. God has promised we would. But don't neglect our part in it and being strengthened as he has enabled us to be strengthened. You see, you may be sitting here and say, you know, I know God wants to grow me in generosity. He wants to use me to, to give and to, to make a difference in this world through the resources he's given. Well, take care today of your financial well-being. Where things are out of whack, where things are not healthy, where you're not paying bills on time, where you are going deeper into debt. And trusting on that, you will never be able to be who God is calling you to be, maximally generous, if you are still here not taking care of some of these things. Some of you want to be the most excellent parent, and so you're pouring everything into those kids, but you are neglecting your marriage, just assuming that it will make it through. But when your marriage breaks and your marriage falls apart, where does that leave the kids? Some of you are looking forward to the day that you'll be married. Say, I want to be this Christian husband. I want to be this Christian wife. But the way that you are living today as a single person is wrecking that in the future. Because you are not living the life of purity. You're not living the life as an individual, pursuing Christ in the way that you should. And you're just assuming that it will one day work itself out. And you'll have the marriage that you want. I'm telling you, I'm not a ton older than many of you. But what I've learned throughout my years is the decisions that we make today impact where we will be. And if you are not paying attention to where God wants to strengthen you today, it will not automatically be so when you get thrown into the wind and the waves. So will we be strengthened? Will we take this time to learn what God wants to teach us? Some of you are in jobs right now where you say, this is the last place that I want to be. But God wants to teach you something there. Some of you are in positions of serving where you say, really, I want to lead. But God wants to teach you to be a servant so that when you get that opportunity, you'll be the leader that resembles his heart. Where does he have you today? How is he strengthening you for what's to come? Now, some of us are, are probably pretty out of whack in our rhythms if we go through them all. Um, the answer to restoring rhythm in life is not just trying. It, it is trusting. It, it is trusting in God's plan. You see, one of God's great graces is that he wants to strengthen us. If you are living a life right now in Christ that feels hopeless, that's not the life that he called you to. If you are living a life that you are too busy even to eat, that's not the life that he has for you. Something is out of whack. And he wants to lead you through. But you're going to have to trust him because you're still holding on to some of your plans and just say, I can make it through another day, another week, another year. And another year goes by. What Paul urges them to do, what he shows them by example is pausing 
to take bread, to give thanks to God, and to be encouraged and strengthened in Him. Some of us are very good at trying. In fact, you could go out this way. I could say, go read your Bible for an hour, and you would willpower yourself into it. Or you could recognize that, hey, I need more exercise, and you can just carve it out in your schedule and stick to it with that discipline. Uh, There's some areas that are going great, but if you're to look at all of those different rhythms of life, state of your marriage, state of your relationships, the true friendships that you have, the community that you have in the church. One of those areas is probably something that you would rather not touch. And so you've been avoiding it. And God wants to raise that issue for you. He wants to lead you through it. Places where you need healing, he wants to heal you. Places where you need to surrender, he wants to show you his great love and draw you to his greater plan that if you will surrender and if you will let that go. But in order to do it, we need to not just have this trying. We need to be trusting in God. And so Paul, as he urges them to eat, he stands up. He breaks the bread and he gives thanks to God. And it says that they were all encouraged and they took food. Something about what Paul did that not only encouraged their heart but caused them to pause as well too. Because Paul is faithful. And he showed that he could pause and he had confidence in God's word. And if you are going to restore some of these rhythms in your life, you're going to have to, in order to let go of some of these things, remember God's goodness towards you. To remember his gospel truth. That he sent his son to die for you. He doesn't have, he doesn't want to just strip away the things for your enjoyment. He, he doesn't just want to push you through. No, he wants you to be Experiencing a relationship with him that just overflows to others. I mean, we, we live with a sense of urgency. I know many of you are attracted to this church, attracted to us as a leadership because we live with this urgency. We recognize that we are here to reach the city that is lost, that 13 out of 14 people that, that we pass do not know Jesus and will not spend eternity with them. We recognize that there are needs all over the world and we want to be a part of reaching that, that people need to be cared for. And so we live with this sense of urgency, this call that Jesus has put us here. But we must carry out that call to meet those needs from a place that is overflowing, a place that is strong. Not strong in ourselves because we can do it, but strong in Jesus. The, the vision of this church is not just pouring out until we run dry. The point of this church is first being so strengthened, so filled up. It's the picture of a reservoir that is filled up in the midst of a dry and weary land. Filled up by Jesus, filled up by God, and only then can it overflow. And when we are parched, when we are running ourselves ragged, when we are weak, when we are weary, we have nothing to pour out. God has given us a significant and difficult call as individuals in this world and as a church in this world. I mean, look at our culture today. Can you honestly say that it's going to get easier for us as Christians? If you really want to advance the gospel, if you really want to go out and share the good news with this city and in this world, can you really say that it's going to get easier for us as Christ followers, that we should expect increasing comforts in this country? No, but yet we have been called to advance the name of Jesus in this world. It is a significant, it is a holy calling that God wants to use his people for. But if we are not strengthened, we will never get there. We are not ready for the significance of the call. And so we need to be strengthened. My friends, I I would call us to where we are hurting to find healing in Christ. Pay attention to that hurting place. If there are reasons why you are not stepping forward to serve, not stepping forward to lead because you say, I could never do that, or what if somebody realized this about me? 
It's time to pay attention to whatever that is and, and take it to the foot of the cross where God says, yeah, you never were able, but by my grace, I'm making you become who you are not in yourself. There are issues of unity that need to be taken care of where our relational health is not what it should be, where we're not having the conversations in our families, where we're not having the conversations in our marriages, we're not having the conversations in our groups, in our teams that serve together, uh, in our church. It's all part of the strengthening work God wants to do to prepare us for what's next. When it comes to what ne- what's next for the crew on the ship, it's, it's pretty straightforward, it's, it's pretty easy. See, they're all in, they've been strengthened, and so uh, even though they don't recognize the land that they are going to, they are planning to run the ship ashore. They're all in, they have cast off the anchors, they have uh, dropped the mainsail, they are going for the beach. Even when the soldiers, they still come up with this plan to kind of save their own hide, to kill off the prisoners in case one of them decides to escape, the centurion steps up as God always uses somebody in his plan to, to accomplish it. And the centurion says, no, you're not going to do that. We are saving this faithful man, Paul. And he said, the whole crew is going to shore. And so he gives orders and he says, those of you who can swim, jump in and swim. Those of you who can't swim, it's going to be pieces of the boat in the water to cling on to. And thus, they were all brought safely to shore. See, God is, is carrying out his plan in us. God is carrying out his plan through us. But before we jump into the water, he wants to strengthen us for that journey. He wants to strengthen us in the knowledge of his son. He wants to uh, build us up in the midst of an unfaithful world to go out there. And we see in this story the, the one faithful man who stood up and led the way. I, I wonder what God could do if we are 276 that are faithful men and women that will step up, that will remain faithful, that are growing from being faithless to being faithful. God wants to do a work in us. It's an amazing thing on these Sunday mornings. God brings us together from the midst of the wind and wave, and he reminds us who he called us to be. You see, you are not just a faithless son and daughter of the king. No, in Jesus, he has called you faithful. He has called you his own. And he wants to remind you of that truth and call you to step forward. As we get practical today, there, there are some of you here that are feeling, honestly, pretty strong. Uh, you could look at it and you say, like, yeah, really, I'm, I'm doing well. Not just kind of the fake church answer of like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. But that you're really strong. In fact, you may be like, what's all the whining and complaining about? God's given us, a, let's get after it. If you're feeling strong, here's what I would tell you this morning. I give thanks to God for you. You should give thanks. You should enjoy those times that you are enjoying your walk with Christ. You should grow. You should encourage others. You should care for others who are hurting. You should step forward to serve. You should step forward to lead. You should be the ones that jump out of the boat first. And you're swimming. And you're caring for others along the way. Because there are some. There are some who are feeling weak, who are feeling weary. You can't go on any further. You can't make it to shore. And if that's you, then the answer today is not to just keep going, not just to take a little bit of time on a Sunday morning, though it's going to begin here, but it's to be strengthened. Pay attention to what God wants to do in your life. And so, it's more, what we say is, like Paul said, take some food. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the living water. He wants to hydrate us. He wants to feed us. He wants to strengthen us in every area of our life. But he wants us to come and to honestly seek him. And so if you're weak today, the response is to maybe rest physically, emotionally, spiritually. Maybe to pray. Maybe to weep and to grieve. And maybe to allow the great physician to open up the wound so that once and for all he can go into it and bring healing. Now it sounds painful, I know that it is, and we don't want to go there. 
But God wants to take you there. He wants to bring healing. Maybe things in your background, your family of origin, that you haven't even known that are the reason for the things that you're facing today. They've crept into your marriage. They've crept into your family. And they, they are hurting and they are holding you back. And you don't want to go there because it's painful, but God wants to lead you through. So where are you today? Are you, are you strong? There's people who need you. If you're weak, you have permission to weep and to rest. Because we need to be a church culture that is not just about the urgent call, about the significant call that God has put on us, but that we are strengthened for the journey that he has given us. And only because we see his love through Christ can we even take steps to open ourselves up to what he wants to do. He wants to lead us through. I love these sermons when we talk about food um, and we get to take the Lord's Supper afterwards. Because what we're going to do is to take a little bit of food, um, a piece of bread and a cup of juice, and it's not meant to be a meal. It's not meant to sustain you physically, but it is meant to remind us of the rhythms that God has given us. And one of those rhythms is to remember how much he loved us by sending his son to the cross. And so we take and we, we remember every week when we gather together his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed because he loves sinners like us and he wants to lead us through and he is waiting for us to come again and again to bear ourselves, to surrender ourselves to him. And so after I pray, you can come to the tables. Worship team's gonna lead us through some more songs, but come to the tables as you're ready. Come for prayer. Come for prayer. If you are hurting, come for prayer. We want to pray over you. If you are lonely, we want to be a church family to you. Whatever God wants to do, let him do the work. Jesus, we're thankful for your grace. There's no reason that any one of us could hope to come before Almighty God today in our own name, in our own past, in our own failures. Jesus, it's in your name that we come. And Jesus, I, I thank you for your words. That you said all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, come to me. And I will give you rest. I thank you that you have called us to be a part of this journey together as a church. God, for those who are feeling strong today, for those who are showing up to serve, for those of us who are, who are showing up to, to lead, that are carrying the burden, that are, are being the encouragement, that are being the people of faith, that are, are carrying us through. God, I thank you. I pray that you would... Continue to strengthen them. And God, for those of us who are, are weary, you remind us to come. Jesus, I, I pray that during this time here, a few quiet moments that we have, that whatever is going on outside of our mind, whatever's going outside of our lives, whatever's going outside this, this building and this world, that Jesus, we would simply see your face that we would see your goodness, that we would see your grace. We see the one who loves us, wants to not only sustain us, but to strengthen us. Jesus, we come to you. Sinners, strugglers, weak, weary, some of us strong that we would all be built up in you, that we would be strengthened in you, Jesus. This is our prayer. Amen.